What's it like to to turn someone uh, to the other team? It's uh, it's it's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, well, I'm recording right now. I've been recording for two minutes. This is movies, a podcast Great. about the act of cinema, and with me tonight is Hans who uh, was Hello. bragging about his sexual conquests only moments ago. How are you doing tonight, Hans? Good. I'm good. And uh, for the guests lineup this evening, we have a doubleheader. We have uh, uh, what, what has been called the, the comedic duo of our time. We have GMAC, uh, too hot for Instagram, apparently, or too hot for Facebook. Where did you get kicked off of or banned or warned? Uh, YouTube. Tinder. And Tinder and Hinge. What I mean does... It's just all dating apps. Yeah. <laughs> and we've got uh, uh, Cave Moth as well. How are you fellas doing tonight now that we fixed the whole situation? Pretty good, brother. Yeah, we saw Videodrome. Why would anybody watch a scum show like Videodrome? Why did you watch it, Max? Business reasons. Sure. What about the other reasons? Max Wren is a victim. I woke up with a headache. He has been exposed to Videodrome. I've been hallucinating for a while, ever since... What? Since I first saw Videodrome. His brain is already receiving video images. I think that massive doses of Videodrome signal will ultimately produce and control hallucination. To the point that it will change human reality. Soon, his visions will coalesce and become uncontrollable flesh. Videodrome is seducing Max Wren. Please, come to me now. Come to Nikki. And Max Wren can do nothing to stop it. What makes you think I need help? None of our test subjects has returned to normality. Television can change your mind. Videodrome will change your body. Long live the new flesh. It will shatter your reality. Videodrome. Videodrome. Starring Deborah Harry and James Woods. A shocking new vision from the creator of Scanners. Coming soon to a theater near you from Universal Pictures. I just rewatched this again today, and I know Hans did as well. And he's also been watching video essays on feudalism uh, related <laughs> yeah. to Videodrome. I don't know. I think I watched a little bit of that today too. I haven't watched anything as far as commentary or critical analysis on this movie goes. I'm trying to come in fresh, not reciting, you know, the words of Chris Stuckman or somebody of that. Or element. Sticks Hexenhammer. Or, yeah. Did he do one? <laughs> no, I know. <laughs> I watched one that was very helpful uh, with this uh, couple of chubby guys who uh, who know uh, James Woods because they saw him on Family Guy and Hercules. <laughs> uh, and, and then uh, the verdict about the movie was that uh, i did not get it so that was very helpful this yeah. uh, very like that seems to be the consensus <laughs> with that movie a lot of the places on the internet yeah so i mean this this movie was very prophetic right uh, for its time i would say so 
Like this, I mean, this predicts it, yeah, the internet. 83? Yeah. Yeah. Obviously they had it off because nobody was thinking computers were going to be a thing. But uh, if you think about it, I mean, this is something that Hans and I were just talking about before you guys hopped on the call about how James Woods is very infatuated with his television set. You know, he's getting into it. He's rubbing his face in it. He's got the giant lips and all that. And most people nowadays are not like coming for survival, but for, you know, self-gratification purposes. Most people are orgasming in front of their screens. We're talking about this quite a lot because Hans loves uh, impregnation fantasies he loves breeding and seeding and that's not something that's as common nowadays just coming for survivor sounds so <laughs> to the show for the, to the show coming yeah. on survivor <laughs> yeah i think it's really interesting i think you you bring up a good point about how it is prophetic in many ways and i think the really interesting part too is regardless of the technology that it kind of puts itself into it really is just like this atmosphere we're in now where to your point like you're more so orgasming at the idea maybe of a selfie or maybe you're orgasming at the idea of swiping on Tinder or seeing your own self. And especially with the whole Dr. Oblivion saying we're all going to have different names, right? Yeah. A name for the TV. Like I was t I was telling Cave earlier, I was like, I identify as my <laughs> Videodrome pronoun as GMAC. <laughs> but like it's kind of true. It's like that's a handle and that's kind of like a personality now. And it's a little way to shield the soul of like your true person. So it's kind of weird. Yeah, it, and I think it's really extraordinary that they tapped into that as early as 1983 where people have – aliases again we have gmac cave moth and low res on the line for this program hans you were stupid enough to use your real name yep. <laughs> um, up. i tried to fix it way too late way too late like, like a month ago in. yeah <laughs> we had like a month Smith ago method. we had two yes. failed podcasts uh, or, or I, I got, what one failed podcast and then i was a guest in another podcast that you had what? and then uh yeah. like 10 sketches with my full name there and then it's just like oh. well like little too late yeah yeah this well, was I mean, around you probably have tumors in your head you probably have all those tumors that's what's making him sleepy tonight is, is the tumors on his brain weighing him down did he tell you we guys... should get a VHS. <laughs> he took a sleep uh, not a sleep uh, <laughs> yeah, what, like an, an yeah, antidepressant something yeah, yeah. <laughs> great that's wonderful um so I, one of the things that was most interesting to me learning about the production of videodrome well for, hold on first off what do you guys think about david cronenberg in general as a filmmaker because for me i'm a big fan of his 1980s work i'm not that familiar with his late 1970s uh films his early career films and then everything after about 1999 or or whenever crash came out the good crash that's all yeah that's all kind of shit yeah i remember seeing the history of violence when it came out and i had all these fucking amazing reviews for it i just couldn't stand it Half of it's like just really hard to watch. No, same. I, I just kept replaying the naked fight scene though, over and over. <laughs> the scene, <laughs> the bathhouse scene. <laughs> yes, just Vigo showing his dick for twenty minutes wrestling with a naked man. It's great. But especially like not he's very homoerotic. His twenty tens work like Map Maps to the Stars and um, Cosmopolis. They just like, they're so bland. They're so sterile. I actually did kind of like Cosmopolis, but that's because I really want to want to read uh, that Dom DeLillo blue book. Hmm. I'm not I'm not familiar with any of the source material there. I was just I was I, I thought it was painfully boring uh, that <laughs> that he was trying to, like, make the interesting moments of that film 
the the CGI city and everything. I, I thought there were some good things about it, but didn't really do yeah. it for me, especially uh, like his earlier work where you have a certain expectation for that filmmaker to deliver, uh, you know, a, a reasonable quality. And I'm not even speaking necessarily that the quality of that movie is bad. It just didn't it didn't do it for me. That's all. Um, Videodrome yeah. is probably my favorite of his films. Yeah, uh, definitely for me, too. Although, uh, Hans, what do you think about the flying comparison to this or scanners? I know you're a big like body horror like- fan as well. Yeah, the flight's my favorite, definitely. Uh, Scanners is fun, but I think once you get past the gimmick of the heads exploding, it's kind of like there's not much there. Uh, Mm -hmm. It's impressive visually, yeah, but it kind of drags by the end just because you know we're we're past that scene, we're past the the whole you know we've seen a face explode, a head explode, uh, and it kind of drags at the end. I think the fly still holds up. Uh, It still has like that. I guess kind of emotional connection that you have with the character, but just becoming that monster uh, slowly. Uh, and uh, I do, I've seen that one many more times than this one. So I, I would say that the fly will be my favorite. Yeah. From him. I mean, that's kind of something there too. I mean, when you think about becoming a monster, when you think about James Wood's character in video drum, I mean, you don't know, like I, again, there's that ambiguity and there's those like multi-directional lessons that you kind of get as you're watching it for the first time and you kind of get something out at the end of it. But you know, he does become kind of a monster of his own. And that's it's kind of something that transcends into that movie as well. Yeah, his earlier movies has like a, it's the whole quality of all of them is seems to be like, I watched it in like behind the scenes for uh, Videodrome and, and I, my, I can hear myself talk. So it's yeah, yeah, you, you get a little <laughs> bit of reverb, a little bit of echo there. Uh, you might be able to turn that off in Skype settings. I'm not sure where it'll filter that out somewhat. But um, yeah, no, no, that seems to be an ongoing uh, like motif with him. He's very into uh, the body changing through unnatural means. And that starts, I think, probably with, I mean, Hans, did you see Sisters or, or any of his early 1970s work? I've seen the uh, Rabbit and I've seen Shivers. Uh, right. And they both, uh, just to, because I don't know if you've seen them, just to go back to a previous episode that we've done before, they feel very much like uh, the Crazies or like Season of the Witch from George Romero. Yeah. You know, very early, very, you know, trying to do something new, trying to do this weird thing, but it doesn't necessarily work because you can you can see how amateurish everything is. But it, it feels like the same type of weird uh, you know, independent kind of very uh, small character study thing that Romero used to do when his career started too. Right. Yeah. I think I said sister. That's a Brian De Palma film, Sisters. I was thinking about Rabid. Do, so, do those films explore the similar themes that his 1980s films like Scanners and Videodrome and The Fly wind up doing, and also uh, Dead Ringers as well? Well, Shivers is about this uh, parasite that that people get inside of them that makes them horny. Uh, so I guess ki- I kind of, I guess something external gets in you and then you want to fuck. What is with that? It, I mean, there's like that, the, it, it's this like uh, sex. Uh, he's so carnal or primal with the like themes that he has. Sorry for the echo. He's very like p- carnal oh, and no, primal with a lot of the stuff he does. You know, it's like, it's like a uh, sex violence all that stuff and even becoming a monster to a point it's like you know becoming a predator if you were once perceiving yourself as a prey or something like that so i found that just really weird not weird just interesting 
Yeah, mm. I was when I was watching the uh, behind the scenes for Videodrome, he kept saying that he has this theme throughout all of his movies of it's not really like Videodrome's not as much about mass media con- control, but what it is about is this theme through for his all of his movies of being in an external environment environment and that physically changes you on the NC inside. Yeah. Have you guys seen Crime, Crimes of the Future? I think I that's, know, his that's, first. No. that's one of his first ones, right? That's What's it I about? Think it's his first one. It's I remember seeing it because I had an idea for uh, a video for a sketch, I guess, where I would just uh, redo um, scenes from his from every single one of his movies, and I just wanted to do it for directors that had extensive videography. So it would be a couple of seconds of like an iconic scene or whatever. And then I saw this, and it's just a weird movie of people just running around in an asylum, but. Uh, or, or I don't know if it's an aside. That's what it felt like. I, this was a long time ago when I saw it, but it it feels weird because it doesn't have like a specific structure of of a regular movie like you would see now. Uh, and then the dialogue is kind of weird, and the performances are kind of also really odd. So it kind of feels like a fever dream what you're watching, but it's also kind of boring at the same time, and not much is happening. <laughs> Uh, so it so it kind of feels like a very dream I've ever had. <laughs> yeah, it's like a very confusing student film type of thing, you know. Yeah. Where it's like, well, I see what this guy's trying to do, but uh, well, what's the what's the idea? What's the plot? What's the story? And if it has to do with like naked or seating or shit like that, then right up your alley. It says here, uh, it's about people joining secret organizations and oh. yeah, so. I don't know. He he has. I guess that that weird theme of like the obscure, or like the hidden, or like the part of you that you don't the want. Sublime. To yeah. Mm. Well, uh, something that I was gonna get into uh, when we were talking about the production of Videodrome is apparently a lot of this was just kind of made up on the fly, uh, where they did not have a finished script that they were shopping to actors. I learned this on the Criterion Collection commentary with James Woods when I was rewatching it today they had 70 pages and then they gave it to james woods and he said yeah yeah yeah, sure i'll do this and then that that's how they got everybody else involved um and they didn't have an ending like they shot like two or three different endings for it and then just wound up figuring it out um what's your take on stuff like that like when it's uh it's not necessarily fully baked but you know, you get like maybe 60 or 50% of the way there. And then they're like, let's improv jazz the rest. I mean, I think that can work. It just depends on who's handling it and, and what you're actually coming up with. I don't, I, you know, if, if you're somebody who works better on the fly without uh, a script, if, it, if things just naturally come to you, then I think it can be of benefit. Uh, that works in the case of certain filmmakers, but in other cases, like I, I couldn't imagine somebody like a, like a Christopher Nolan type trying to do that. You know, yeah. and it, it working in his favor. It would just be so confusing. Yes, yeah. It, it would be yeah, terrible. You need, a, you need a master like Paul Feig to come up with <laughs> Oh, yeah, well, yeah. You just, you <laughs> just improv for two hours and come up with a 30-second dialogue, yeah. <laughs> but it's also, a, a, I think it's a, a huge difference between simply improv, uh, improvising the dialogue and then coming up with, like, an ending in the moment. Like, we don't know how to end this fucking movie. Uh, I guess he's just gonna, you know, go on a killing spree and then end his life. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You can kind of tell with this one that 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 felt it felt very 
what how, what do we what do we do? Do we pretend that it was all a dream and he wakes up, or does he just kill himself with Dusty? Not really, right? No, uh, here's here's my thing. I don't I don't dislike the ending at all. I like the ending quite a bit, but it does have. Yeah, that, I think it fits perfectly. Right. It it, it does not. It, you know, it doesn't feel like it was thought of in advance too. Like the, as soon as I learned that, it clicked to me because it does feel a bit rushed. It feels kind of sloppy, but I don't think the actions that occur within that third act um, are missteps whatsoever they all seem justified yeah it all seems justified but i do kind of agree with the like the rushed factor where it seems like to an extent i think it's the way that you when you when you twist it a little bit yeah that better it's not actually yo, you did you can you do uh your volume check just auto gate it check check so like you can do your audio so when you talk i put my audio down and then when i talk i put my audio up my audio okay you know what I mean? Well, it works now. Like yeah, whatever it, sounds, it is. It sounds there. good now. Oh, maybe I just wasn't having the there. fucking uh, volume on. Okay, but yeah, I was going to say it, it felt justified, like the ending. Sorry, sorry about that huge transition to it. But yeah, it, it felt justified definitely uh, with all the – I mean the, the evil, like the antagonist definitely feel like antagonist, especially when you figure out the, the dude who's been his friend the whole time. Is actually not his friend, and the the eye salesman guy is just such a fucking sleazeball. So it's justified, but it does feel somewhat rushed. Where everyone dot like it almost was no struggle. Like he just goes there and just fucking yeah. kills everyone, kills the two guys, his partners, and then leaves. And it was like, damn, it was like GTA Five or something. It was like, damn, <laughs> yeah, it was yeah. All yeah, it's all like a manic manic frenzy that he's in. Like you don't even really know if it's happening or not. Uh, there's kind of an indication that maybe it isn't happening when we have the ending repeat itself at, at the very like closing moments. Uh, but I don't. I think some of the coolest sequences of the movie occur within that third act after the betrayal or the initial betrayal does happen between uh, his buddy and he's forced to put on that helmet and you know he gets the handgun and all all that and just like the death of that that antagonistic character and how the tumors override his body from the inside. Yeah. yeah really, really creepy, horrifying, visually beautiful stuff. Um, so in I, the, in the microphone as he's leaving, you still hear like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think yeah, this is I read probably that it had almost like six or seven murder scenes and he had to, uh, bring it down just because he said that he was trying to match the reality of the reality of it with like an audience perception to not make it so extreme. He says he has a lot of trouble when he writes like first scripts that they end up being much more sexual and violent and titling titillating. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, and I would, I just want to say also, I feel like this is maybe his most visually inventive movie that he does. I mean, The Fly obviously has a, a great degree of that, but it, it seems obviously limited to just like the human form. Whereas this one, you have a lot of different machines. He's he's messing around with technology and, and also having to shoot like fake porn for the movie. Yeah. Like a lot of that stuff looks like shit from the time. It's all well done. Yeah. It's all creepy, very yeah. seedy. Very, yeah. very good stuff. The torture scenes too, I thought were... Like it sounds, this may sound disturbed, but like visually, aesthetically, it was very pleasing to watch. Just like, I, not like personally, like I'm very not jamming off. To it. Very, very pleasurable to watch. Yeah, yeah, damn. <laughs> no, but like I think like just that one color tone. It's like that like warmed out yellow, almost kind of looks like a Rothko painting. 
with just someone getting tortured. It's just like like when you think about Rothko, like when you think about his paintings just in general, it's just a color and it's more so uh, like people could say it's shit or they could say like that's not art. But there's just a color and it makes you kind of go, okay. If you've mm. ever seen them in real life, they're huge too. So they're like have a very intense presence when you're with them. So they're it's it, it reminded actually similar of just being in that room. Yeah, like you're just sitting there, like as you're as if you were you're seeing one tone of color, and it, that is to elicit something, and then someone's just getting fucking killed. <laughs> well, the color is Chinese, right? They're always Chinese. Yeah, yeah. samurai dreams. dreams. Yeah, samurai <laughs> dreams. That's right. Yeah, and I love I love the like just the setting of it where it looks like the room is made of clay. It's got a very like gross yeah. feeling, like a very sweaty vibe to it. Yeah, and it electrocutes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they were trying to get um, James Woods to be in a scene where, you know, you know where he's whipping the television set, right? Yeah, he's whipping the yeah. Right. So they tried to fill up the room with like two feet of water and wanted him to step in that while they have all these electrical cords. Because again, it's 1983. There's nothing wireless. Yeah. Here. It's it's yeah. hundreds of cords, and it's like, yeah, we could very easily electrocute you to death. And uh, he was like, all right, well, how about I do the scene with your four-year-old daughter next to me? How about we do that? <laughs> and uh, the technician was like, yeah, I know, no, of course not. And he's like, all right, well, then I'm not going to do that. And then, like, he was very smug about it on the commentary. He was like, yeah, Big Jim wins again. Like, pr- patting himself <laughs> on the back 30 years later. He's great. I, I miss James Woods in movies. James Woods is so charismatic, like, shitty, sleazy, charismatic in this movie. Oh, yeah. Like, he is in every movie. Yeah. But especially here, the Max Ren character is maybe one of my favorite like horror movie protagonists in general. Yeah, he's not someone who's necessarily. I mean, I'm, and maybe that's how it's written is he's not necessarily likable. He's not necessarily like good looking as well to be a protagonist. He's not necessarily. I mean, he's very well spoken, but his well spokenness comes from like this perceived sleaziness because of what he's doing in his in his uh you know his business and. Yet he plays like his character. I'm still following along, going like, "Damn, like I, I still feel bad for him," which is a really interesting dynamic because, like, if you see other movies where someone's all those like aspects are somewhat degraded, it can totally throw the the viewer off from the character itself. Right, and I don't think his character necessarily succumbs to the evil that is in Videodrome so much as he is led led down a dark path just because of his curiosity. Like, the Debbie Harry character is very into what she's seeing. Like, she's corrupted by that. She's corrupted to begin with, but I think that sets her off. That pulls the trigger on it, and, you know, her fate is sealed then. Whereas somebody like him, you know, he's just kind of the spectator, slowly walking through everything that this is leading him toward. Which is really interesting about that character, uh, the woman as well, is that her job is to help people get away from that stimulation. And she's supposed to be this arbiter of like, I'm helping you. And then she, it reveals she's got slices on yeah. her shoulder. Which, which and is, then she wants that's, it. that's exactly how it is in real life. It's all these people Very much so. are all sick and twisted and demented. And they're trying to maybe do something good with it. Maybe. Or yeah. in reality, they're stimulating themselves through, through that functional mean, which is what her it's, character is doing yeah. here. It's kind of like the virtue signaling meme in, in, in a weird way where like you talk about like, you know, I you're f- so for this thing 
and then really you're just getting sliced up and you want to get choked and fucked. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 I love that before they even kiss, she's like, Hey, why don't you just take your you know, yeah. knife out and cut me? It's like, all right. Like not even hold my hand. Like nothing. Yeah. It's just and me, even he was like, before you... yeah, yeah, he was like, yeah. what the fuck? Does this actually... <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So her, I mean, her, her character is obviously very twisted. And then we have uh, the Brian Oblivion character, which I kind of want to go back to, even though we just mentioned him in passing, where he's kind of like the the all-seeing, I guess, dead guy. It's all videotapes, we learn. He's, you know, he's Zordon, yeah. Yeah, he's, he's Zordon from Power Rangers. That's right. Uh, I mean, Hans, what do, you, what do you make of this character? Uh, I like the name. <laughs> the name was great. The way that they, they made it Irish, but it's still Ob- Oblivion. Mm-hmm. Uh I, I guess you needed kind of like the, the, the guidance for him because this character is very, it's very much just trying to find success somehow for this, his thing. But then he ends up getting lost in a different path that has nothing to do with the actual success of the, of the channel or the thing that was his original uh, goal. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I, I guess it, it, it serves well as like the, the guiding voice, I guess, or like the, the, the thing that this character needs to, really get into the character he ends up becoming at the end um it really seems to i don't know if... the tone for the like thematic elements of the movie too yeah i i think yeah, this whole this movie mind would be... the ret- uh, eyes eye or whatever yeah i think it would be much messier especially to the casual viewer who uh isn't going to rewatch this multiple times and then put the pieces together themselves if you remove that brian oblivion character uh then it's like the form is just going to be all over the place he helps keep it kind of on one track, I think. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, but there's one thing that I was just kind of questioning the whole time. It's like, you know, when you have the the one character, right? Oh, shit, sorry. When you have the one character who is supposed to be the antagonist, <laughs> right? And he's telling uh, Max, like, do this, do this, do this. Um, you know, it's going to be fine. We're just testing, and we test on you and, and put this helmet on. You know, this antagonist kind of has, like, this creepy plan. But at the same time, Oblivion's pretty ambiguous as well, and so is his daughter. And so, you know, it's it's kind of like to this deep state operation where they're, like, using this thing to masses, right? So then I was thinking, are they in on it as well? Could they be in on it as well? Like, could this just be this whole circular thing where it's like a corporation where two departments already have come on something, but they let the two little weedlings in the bottom have this faux meeting to come up to an agreement, which has already happened. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I think that's definitely possible. Um, it, it does seem to have, it, you know, it volleyballs a little bit where, you know, you're not sure who the actual bad guys are. At one moment, it seems like, okay, well, this is just like an elaborate ruse uh, that's being pulled on max so he can do this and that and then at other times it swings back the other way where um you know you don't understand what people's true motivations are even even in the ending yeah no that's very true that's very true i i think that's also like a well-written movie is to keep you guessing afterwards as to like who is what and stuff because that opens that at least the opportunity of guessing more than just the black and white that may be in front of it what was uh, what was you, your guys' uh, video drum? Like, what was the first gross video that you guys watched uh, online? Oh. Jar video? 
One man, one genre. Yeah, probably something like that. Mm-hmm. What about you, Hans? I think it was the cup one, Two Girls, One Cup. I think that was the earliest one. Or there was one called Three Girls Finger Paint. It was just three Asian girls <laughs> throwing up and shitting on each other's face. I remember that, I, yeah. I think that one, maybe. I just remember showing it to everyone in my family that was old. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, I was I was living in Canada. I remember very vividly that I was MSN messenger uh, video calling my parents. And I just sent them the link, and I was like, "Just watch this!" <laughs> oh my god! Uh, and and the my fuck? my two parents are watching the thing, horrified. And then my grandmother and my aunt wants to oh, say hello no. to me. Walk into the room, and they're like, "Ah!" And they get out of the room. Uh, but uh, it was a thing where, yeah, I just remember that I thought that was the greatest thing ever. I wanted everyone to see it just to see their reaction. So I probably have seen that video like fifty times. Wow. Just- Trying to show everyone. I, th- I think for me, it was during the LimeWire days where you're downloading a bunch of videos for your iPod. Because I didn't have a computer that worked. I didn't have internet because I got viruses. And then I had to go over to my friend's house. Gary, if anybody's Even watching viruses. Systems. Yeah. Well, he had LimeWire. He had good internet. He had uh, DSL and all that. And uh, I remember downloading a bunch of stuff. And I didn't check it out beforehand. It just went right onto my iPod. And one was, uh, you know, you would download like jackass clips or like bum fights or things like that. So I did one of those. It was like Steve-O, jackass. And then I checked it out and it was actually like uh, some foreign soldier putting a knife in a man's throat. And I just had that. I had that on my iPod for like a fucking month before I went back to my friend's house. Yeah. So that that was my first that my first video. Just Steve-O sucking dick. <laughs> it's a video of just the... Uh... A band deck of sketch where they just suck each other off, drunk. Yeah, no, no, right. no I don't think no, so. Right. I don't find that very okay. funny either. This is a family show, Hans. That was very vulgar. <laughs> they <laughs> both <laughs> muted themselves. I don't know if you noticed. They're no. both muted. <laughs> no, that's okay. <laughs> it's um, fun. It's great. So uh, you said <laughs> that you didn't get Videodrome, Hans, on your first go around. So you, you said you didn't understand Videodrome? Oh yeah, well the yeah the first time I saw it, I, I just I don't know. Like I, I, it's it, it kind of has like a a simple story if you if you want to look at it in a in Surface a simple you know guy that gets into a thing and then destroys the thing and then kills himself. But I just I, I don't know if it was, it was just the first time I saw it. I wasn't paying much attention, but I just didn't really remember much of what happens in between so it didn't really make much sense at the end but now that i watch it like i know that there's a lot of themes that he try to put in there or whatever that people are able to find into it like everything but uh yeah it was a lot simpler than i remember this second time i watched it well i don't i don't know if there's anything really simple about the movie it's even on a surface level it's kind of if you're just a person who has been watching Indiana Jones films to this point, and then you go to the theater and see Videodrome, you're going to be very, yeah. conf- like, deeply confused, I think. Yeah. I've never seen Indiana Jones. I wasn't saying it was you. I'm just, I, it's 1980. Yeah. So it's, <laughs> yeah. I was just thinking I mean, there's yeah, no Marvel I, back I then. Guess, I, I guess, but it's also nothing confusing like WandaVision, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Dude, I cried. Wow, I cried at WandaVision. I I watched two episodes of it and I I just didn't understand why I continue watching it. Yeah, I mean that's most of like the fucking Marvel shit. It's just I I remember even Daredevil uh, when I was a kid. My dad was like, "We're gonna see Daredevil," and we watched it, and I was like, "Whoa, 
That sucked. <laughs> when you excited to go watch Electra, the movie theater? Electra. I did Electra. That. Oh you did my it. god! You went to Electra? Yep. Wow. I forgot that even existed. Was that a? Who was in that? that so Jennifer Gardner. Jennifer Garner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And some, yeah, yeah, yeah. some nobody cool. villains. Wasn't it like like Native Americans who turn into wolves? What is it? I don't remember. What do you mean? You went to go see it at the theater, huh? I, I never saw yeah, it. Yeah. When did I think that came out in like 2004 or something? Yeah. Daredevil was 2003. And Daredevil, I kind of like Daredevil, to be honest with you. And then I saw the director's cut with Coolio, and I liked it even more. But I never watched Electra. I didn't like Electra. Nobody. Why would I go see a girl movie? Yeah. You muted. You muted. You muted. You you guys are Lady Bird. My favorite muted. film. Oh, so every single time you mute me, I'm muted from my microphone. So you have to shout when that yeah. happens. You have to like literally <laughs> scream. How is that? No, I was gonna say I I feel like it was like Spider Man. I, I think you guys are fine now. Yeah, you guys cool. you guys are good yeah. currently. So we're talking about Electra in relation to video. Yeah. Term. What are the similarities, Hans? Shut the fuck! I'm gonna well. say you. <laughs> I mean, I I feel like uh, I could see why you like Daredevil though, because like it was like Spider Man, and Daredevil. Those were like the the entry into Marvel, and then it just was like. Yeah. What was next? Fantastic Four. Fa right? Well, yeah, Fantastic Four was Jesus. the year after. Uh, so yeah. it was it was no good. It was I mean. <laughs> Daredevil was kind of like like Boston Spider Man, you know. Yeah. Even though it was in New York, Ben Affleck, Ben Affleck with his red haircut, you know, he was a yeah. ginger. And you had Colin Farrell there too, and Michael Clark Duncan. Rest in peace. We like to say rest in peace to Michael Clark Duncan every other show. It was. Yeah. I, th I thought it was a fun time, but I understand why, you know. Public. I think I'm more solid now. I'm more solid now. Just more bitter. Yeah. I get that That's vibe. It. I get that vibe. I, if you if you watched it again today in like a good mood, I think you'd love it. <laughs> That's true. I think that could be said about most things. <laughs> um, it probably if, happened the same thing that that happened with us uh, when we rewatched the um, Schumacher Batman. Oh no, no, Oops. those are bad. Still, they are bad, but you know. That's part of the charm. How no, what are you talking about? Do you not remember us recording the episodes? There was no charm spoken of. Are you just trying to deceive them did I not like, and make I them remember. watch Batman and Robin? <laughs> I used to love those movies. I used to watch them all the time in my aunt's house. Yeah. The, I, well, yeah. I, like, I like the Burton ones still. The Burton ones are, are full of creative flair. And then the, the Batman Forever with Joel Schumacher directing that, that one's bad. But, I mean, there's still some good to it. And then the fourth one, like, it, uh no, I mean Hans, you you didn't say anything positive about any of those movies once, and now you're recommending now you're them on the show. Now you're saying you should really revisit them. What kind of recommendation system do you guys have here? <laughs> Are you, I think it's, you might be called... thinking about Dick Tracy. No, well I did I did like Dick Tracy a lot, but I, I it's called I have a memory that lasts for like a month. So if there's anything that we spoke about that was a month old, I don't remember what I said. Like, I just flip-flop. I'm sure I hated it, but I, I just... I remember the fighting scenes and how theatrical everything was and how no one was actually touching each other. Yeah. Uh, and that, yeah. And that was the ice capades. It, was, it, it felt that like was a Disney on ice <laughs> fight sequence. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Just very colorful Batman on ice. The one thing, this, is, this isn't a movie, but like when I was younger and we had the Sega Genesis and shit, um, there was a Batman game and the sound effects in there were 
horrifying, like horrifying. Like you would hit someone and he'd be like, as a little kid, I'm just like, what the fuck? Like a human doesn't make that sound. Yeah. So that always kind of scarred me. I think that was, uh, I think that was Batman Forever. Batman Forever was like a kind of photorealistic game. Yeah. It didn't, yeah, it didn't have two. Yeah. Yep. And it it was not uh, two dimensional. They used like photos and then they like applied the HDR filter to them and then shrunk them down. Yeah. It's disturbing. It looks mm-hmm. disturbing. The music and everything just is not, nothing fits. And it's like this. It's like a nightmare. Trip. Yeah. It, it feels like a <laughs> really nightmare. Is. Yeah. The characters are very stiff and they jump and move very awkwardly. Kind of like the Street Fighter, the movie game, uh, where they just did that with the actors, but they, they're very stiff in the way they move and everything on, the, on that game. I don't know if you guys ever played that. Uh, no, no, no. But I, I think I know what you're talking about. The yeah. Raul Julia film. That's a good yeah, movie. Yeah, yeah. Raul Julia. Yeah. He's dead. Another recommendation there. Yeah. Street Fighter. No RIP for him. He's dead. No, he died. <laughs> he died during Street Fighter, the movie. He was like, he had, he was suffering with cancer throughout the filming of that. But he was like, I have to do this for my children. And then oh. that movie bombed and everybody hated it. <laughs> was he the bad guy? Yeah, he was. Yeah, he was Bison. Oh, fucking Adam's family, dude. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was the only one that tried in that movie. You know, the only one that was trying to give a performance. Nice. Yeah, Jean-Claude Van Damme showed up to set drunk every single day, and he was just I mean, stumbling John, over it. I mean, if I'm him, I'm probably coming in drunk every day, like swords <laughs> and shit. But you're, you're Man, Raul American. Julia, right? You're trying to sell this scene as the bad guy, and standing across from you is Jean-Claude Van Damme, not at his best, but just fucking, like, <laughs> bloated and sweaty and tired, and you got to act with that guy. Meanwhile, you're like shitting blood between takes. This is terrible. <laughs> he's also supposed to be playing an American soldier, right? He's supposed to be this American hero or whatever. And he has his little Belgium accent or whatever it is that he's from. Doesn't sound American at all. Uh, it's great. Yeah. It's, uh, that one I put in the same category as uh, Dragon Ball Evolution. as movies that I shouldn't like, but I really like. Is, is there any like uh, signs that he's drunk throughout the movie? I mean, if you just look at his face in some of the takes, I think just you can kind of, like, his eyes are a little glazed, you know? <laughs> He's a little slur, not mm. enough to, like, really notice, but just, like, a little evidence slur. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we got to cover that show for this. I mean, they did they did a sequel, too, right, Hans? I know you're a big Street Fighter fan. They did the, the girl from Nexium who was on Smallville. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Chun-Li, the legend of whatever, that has the, the guys from... Uh, <laughs> what the, the fuck's Kikis, it called? Right? <laughs> The legend of Chun Li, something like that. Yeah, yeah. Hans, you're just speaking oh, yeah, Chinese there for a moment. You can say it in Why English. Not? What's the title? It, it's uh, it has the the two. I think it has the two guys from Black Eyed Peas. Uh, Are you like fucking serious? Yeah. Or no, no. The black guy, Will I Am, was in Ga- in uh, one. It was of a black guy. It wasn't the Black Eyed Peas. Yeah. Jesus. <laughs> The black guy from the Black Eyed Peas was in in uh, one of the Wolverine movies, and then the Mexican guy or Puerto Rican, whatever the fuck he is, the one that kind of looks like a horse, he yeah. was <laughs> in, uh, <laughs> he, he was in uh, in this one and in, in this one and whatever we're t- I forgot what we were talking about already. Wandavision, it's Fergie yeah. just yes. pants on stage. <laughs> if you're gonna make if you're gonna make Videodrome today, right? If somebody if Shutter is gonna pick up Videodrome. The rights Elliot. to Videodrome and remake it so it fits so it, it becomes like a, a very like obvious lifetime style PSA about internet danger. Uh, who mm. do you cast as Max Wren? Let's start with you, Hans. Mm-hmm. Oh, great because I'm, I'm so good at 
thinking on the spot. I will get uh, Shia LaBeouf as him. What? Why? Now? Yeah. Shia LaBeouf after he's now. Been, after he's been canceled and everything. Has he been canceled? I don't know. Yeah. Well, he said, he said not all of it's true, but some of it's true. Which I, it sounds about right. What did he say? She seems like a liar. She's got the face of a liar, that girl. I don't believe her at all. <laughs> I know you're supposed to believe all women. She's lying. <laughs> Shia Wait, shooting stray dogs or something to get into character what for the tax do? collector. I, what do I believe do? that part, actually. What do you, yeah, what do he do? He was, uh, I guess, okay, so a couple of things. There's some things in this Shia LaBeouf story that sound exactly like Shia LaBeouf, and then some things that just don't sound like any human at all. Where, uh, <laughs> like, uh, he's driving on the freeway or something, and then he just, like, puts his foot on the gas and is like, I'm not slowing down unless you say, I love you to me. <laughs> it's, like, very, like, deleted scene from American Honey or something, one of those movies. Yeah, what? Um, and then there's another one where he's shooting stray dogs around Hollywood to get into character what? from the tax collector. The movie, seems... not, actual, not actual dogs. No, real dogs. Like he was killing killer. dogs. Cereal. He was killing oh, dogs. Oh, really? Like serial yes. killers, too. Yes. Is that yeah. That's a, that's what she's saying. That's that's what what came out. And then another thing which was crazy she, bitch. She woke up and he was strangling her. What? I, I don't know. I don't know. That would be horrifying though to be Why someone who's being... getting strangled by Shia LaBeouf at like four in the morning and he's like <gasps> Yeah. Yeah. Is this well, before or he... after he had that fucking tattoo? This was probably during. So he was he was getting his He's whole getting body tatted for the movie and killing dogs <laughs> and strangling. How this is, bitch. What is he is like? Did he take a job as like a pound dude, like chasing dogs? Shia down Alice? dog pound. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's the dog catcher. Shia pound. It's a wait. Movie you about... can't even kill dogs. You can't even kill dogs now because of cancel culture. That's bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> so. Wait, yeah. So is he actually being? I thought it was something sexual, just like. Oh yeah, yeah. Every... She threw that in too. She like said, "Oh guys. yeah, I was the uh, I was raped a couple of times. Maybe I don't remember." Yeah, my memory's a little flawed between all the dog neck. dog murders and my strangulation. <laughs> Tried to dunk my head in the toilet a couple of times. Give me I, a wedgie. I like I like to see uh, Woody Allen's video drone, and the whole thing is about him trying to convince people that he didn't do it. <laughs> oh, I love that. <laughs> And on the TV, it's just a little girl. He's like, "Come over here." <laughs> what do you? Hey, what, what do you guys think about this Allen versus Pharaoh documentary? Oh, Woody Allen versus his, his stepson, or whatever. No, 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 it's uh, it's Mia Farrow's account of how uh, Dylan Farrow was molested or whatever, and he's a bad guy and this and that. I don't know, HBO. man. All these people want to do this shit nowadays. Like this is like this gore. It's like gore porn. It's like revenge porn kind of thing where it's like. You just make money off people. I mean, I don't even know if he did it or not, but like, he looks like he did it. But here's the thing: she looks fucking nuts. She looks like a crazy, <laughs> scary woman. And also, I'll tell you what. Right now, speaking of revenge porn, no one likes to talk about this. This wasn't in the documentary. Apparently, she got some nudes of Soon Yi and showed the rest of her kids the nude Polaroids to be like, "Look what? at your sister. She's a slut. She's a whore." And I, this, this is Mia Farrow. This is Mia Farrow yeah. did this, and apparently one of their kids killed themselves while in Mia Farrow's custody. <laughs> so they don't talk about yeah. that either. Of course not. That's not funny, but like your mom's just like, look at this slut. You know her. <laughs> yeah. And like she, so she slowly feeding she... anxiety in the entire family. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. pumping her with like mood stabilizers while she's doing that. 
I don't know. I think they're both guilty. I think I think if anything, if Woody's a molester, then she was grooming the kids and picking them out, and that's why they adopted so many. I mean, you got to think if you're showing your kids slut photos of your daughter, you have to be desensitized to some extent to show kids nudity like that. Yeah. Your or home. or be crazy enough to think that you're in the right by doing that because you've been oh. replaced by someone that's 50 years younger than you. Right. Yeah. Who you raised. I mean, I wouldn't put that past a woman. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> uh, it, it also brought back memories of, I don't know if you guys have been on uh, no. Twitter, oh, but oh, uh, the image Mia oh, Farrow no. put out this for her daughter's good. birthday of Mia, where she like screen capped a Google page. It was like Mia Farrow and her black children. And it was just a, a, like a photo of her daughter looking like smug or something. Have you guys seen this no. photo? No, I'm gonna type. No, something. yeah. This is Jamie. A, this is this is a real thing. This is from like 2012, 2013. I remember being on Twitter during this time and seeing that. And then she had to issue a statement, being like, "Oh no, that wasn't me. That was my assistant." Dude. Oh, and now she's all about Putin authorized extensive efforts to interfere with the election. Dude, this is crazy. Bitch. Oh, Jesus! Still, March. Still. Dude, Jesus. she looks like a goddamn. She looks like um. She looks like uh, something you'd see in Diablo, like an enemy. <laughs> I, th- I think she looks like like a real life nurse ratchet today. She, that's that's her look. Her eyes are crazy. Her face is. She looks like yeah, like burn victim. She looks like zonked out on diet medication. Yep, yep. Terrible, terrible <laughs> woman. Anyway, uh, what video drones is a good movie. I, I heard she was almost cast in Videodrome. How about that? What? Really? No. <laughs> But I'm just trying to keep it all on track. (laughs) Uh, She was in Rosemary's Baby. That's a good horror movie from the late 60s with Roman Polanski at the helm. Hey, we got another one of those guys. (laughs) She likes to surround herself with a certain type. Yeah, Yeah, right. It's the woman's fault. (laughs) Oh, another woman. Yeah. Who would you... Because I think I was the only one that said who they would cast. Oh, right. Yeah, but as... you went nowhere with that. You said Shia LaBeouf. All right. That's well, Shia. Who, who do you cast what? as Debbie Harry? You, listen, Shia LaBeouf can be vulnerable. He can be, can be funny. He can get <laughs> naked and show his dick if you ask him to. Yeah. He can become a soldier or get a retarded tattoo on his chest if you ask him to. He would uh, definitely so for a role, do like... the electrical scene, too, with all the water yeah. in it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Character yeah. acted. He would meditate until he thinks he's invincible and then jump in. Uh, so I, I can see him pulling this off completely. Yeah, depending on the director, too. But Well, who would you cast yeah. as the director? <laughs> you got to think you got about Shia LaBeouf. <laughs> Who's doing interesting? His son, maybe? Mm. Brandon? Oh. <laughs> who's, who, who's doing interesting body horror now? Nobody's really doing body horror. I mean... Yeah. It's really only Cronen- uh, Brandon Cronenberg now who's doing that. But yeah. right. that feels cool. lazy. That feels like a lazy answer to just say the other Cronenberg. Say somebody else, Hans. Yeah, damn, man. Tyler Perry. <clears throat> I would love that. <laughs> Starring Shia LaBeouf. Or... A blackface Shia LaBeouf. He gets into character. He gets all these tattoos, and then he's not. He's just breeding pit bulls. He's not shooting. <laughs> what about like Oscar Oscar Isaac? Oscar Isaac is kind of like the new Raul Julia. I'd save him for Street Fighter. <laughs> Chun Li, or <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll have him go. Go with. Uh, he'll show his thighs off for that. 
they'll oil them I'd up. I'd love to see Steven Stallone or uh, Sylvester Stallone now, no makeup, no anything, trying to get an understanding of what's going on with modern technology with someone who's very young as the woman who gets everything. So she's always explaining to him what's going on. And he's like, uh, uh, <laughs> uh. <laughs> uh, who, who do you cast as Brian Oblivion? I feel like this is going to be the biggest star of the movie. This is going to be a featuring credit or an and credit, you know? The dude from the wheelchair. The guy in the wheelchair from The Big Lebowski. That's who I'm casting as Brian Oblivion. Isn't that, is it, that's Philip Seymour Hoffman, right? Isn't he dead? No, no. no. Oh, no, the let's guy. do it. Let's do dead Philip Seymour Hoffman. No, I mean, they, that, that's actually good, Oblivion yeah. is dead, too, really. That's right. So they so, just have him on strings. That would be perfect. No, you, you just repurpose old footage of him, and then you bring out the <laughs> Reface app for certain things. Wait, this guy's this guy's dead, too. David Hoddle's dead. Yeah, all right, so it fits, dead. too. Whatever. Yeah. That can just work. Fat. Wolfram Grimley. Just got a fat. He's alive. <laughs> Wolfram Grimley's like Wolfram still Wolfram alive. Play. Didn't someone recently oh, blame raping? Or no, it was the guy who said the uh, he said he called everyone the N word who who kneeled at the high school basketball thing, and he said he said it because he had diabetes. That was his, <laughs> <laughs> his blood sugar's low. Yeah. Uh. What well, we just get him? How the fuck do you say something like that? You you go on a PR thing and you say, I'm gonna say diabetes. <laughs> and everyone's looking at you like what the fuck dude what would you do who would you do Flores? uh me uh uh okay hey, on a similar note if i'm thinking about james woods i'm thinking we got to get somebody who's talented oh, I, thought... <laughs> I thought you meant like what would you do if you're caught calling everyone in a room with the n-word <laughs> <laughs> james woods may fit yeah <laughs> Um, on, on a, on a, you know, similar type of guy to James Woods, you could probably bring Kevin Spacey out of retirement. He's got a similar texture to his face. Uh, yeah. Edward James, almost, you know, Edward James almost did something terrible. Edward James almost raped a 12 year old and he's still doing movies. He's Why? still, on and no one wants to talk about this, I guess. Cause he's like Filipino or, or, or one of your people, Hans. I don't know. He's Mexican. Yeah. I think he's Mexican. Yeah. This was during oh, Miami Vice. He, Wikipedia is hilarious. He's like, yeah, I did it. He's he's a bad guy. This when did James this happen? Uh, 1991, two, maybe 1986. It was right when he was getting all this work, and he was like nominated for Academy Awards. They just ignored it and kept casting him and everything. That's like before modern tech really started like getting in. You know? Yeah. You don't have the outlets. Well, I mean, think about it. Like Rob Lowe. Rob Lowe in the late 80s got in trouble for uh, doing kitty porn, basically, and people what? were like. People were like, oh, you Rob Lowe. And then he's on Parks and Rec. He's like this smiley, happy, dumb guy, you know? Like, literally? Literally? I <laughs> Jesus, I had no idea that. Dude, he actually yeah, is probably very freaky. To a, like, he emerges from the dark, from a shadow, and you're a kid. And he's like, literally? Pull your pants down. <laughs> Didn't he die of ass cancer too? Or who Rob was the Lowe's. One that died? No, Rob no. Lowe's alive, dude. All these people you, you say are dead or alive. Who's the one that died of, <laughs> of, of ass cancer? cancer? <laughs> Farrah Fawcett? Right? What? 
Sure. No, the the guy from a mask. Didn't he die from mask? Mass cancer? Jim Carrey. <laughs> Jim Carrey. <laughs> <laughs> um, what's his Eric Stoltz. Oh, Patrick Swayze. No, no, no. He didn't die of ass cancer. If he died of ass cancer, he was he was gay. <laughs> you know what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Patrick Swayze had like cancer cancer. He didn't have that like you know. No, he was Yeah, no, he didn't he he didn't get it from sexual abuse to his rectum. No. He got he got it from like smoking or something, I bet. I'm looking right now for you guys. Pneumonia from swallowing too much cum. See? I told you. I knew oh. it. He was he had metastasized his liver. He had liver cancer. That's kind of gay, too. Uh, he once admitted smoking 60 cigarettes a day. Holy shit. That's like... Damn. Wow. That's and he, God he, damn. He went relatively young. I think he was only in his... I don't even think he was in his Seven. 60s, right? Was he? No. He was 70? 57. All right. All right whatever. Fuck him. That's old enough. Yeah. Uh, Seven is old enough? Fuck. I'm fucked. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I I remember when I was a kid when John Ritter died at like fifty one on the set of Eight Simple Rules. Uh, on the set? On the set. He died of not from ass cancer, from cardiac arrest. <laughs> I was like, oh man, yeah, he was pretty old. I mean, I'm shoving shit in my ass. <laughs> Everyone dies of ass cancer. Like COVID. Every that celebrity that dies, that's from that's where my mind goes. Same yeah. with uh what's the Kung Fu guy that died? Uh, masturbating and, and, and David Carradine. Yeah, he died of ass oh cancer. Oh my god! Yeah. Uh, he he died because <laughs> yeah. I think he pissed some people off in Thailand. That was a very weird situation, also very Rob Lowish situation, where he was in Thailand in a hotel dressed in women's stockings, and he accidentally hung himself. But oh someone saw god. a ladyboy running from the room. They saw a ladyboy climbing out the window and running out the room. <laughs> that, that, that's, that's the story from it. What a legacy that man has left what behind. A, what a way to go. It's so like, oh, either... the guy from Kung Fu. He's not even known as a guy from Kung Fu anymore, which was what he was known for before, right? 70s, now it's like, yeah. oh, right, the guy that jerks off. Well, we don't, know, we don't know if that was actually the case or if that was some sort of like humiliation ritual after death because he made somebody mad. But yeah, right. he, he was probably jerking Because off. it's not... He's not here to deny it, so... Exactly. That looks what like... Richard Karn as Dr. Oblivion. From Home Improvement? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you do that, you have to have Tim Allen play Max Wren. Okay. Oh, oh shit. <laughs> I, that, fuck yeah. <laughs> you can, you can Just... almost kind of see that. You can almost kind of... They have yeah. a similar shaped face and not personality, but it, it, it's like a gradient... James Woods to Tim Allen. Maybe it's just like they're, they're old conservatives. Yes. Crotchety old guys. And then guys. Jonathan Taylor Thomas plays the woman. <laughs> you, need, you need him to go back to doing coke, though, before he starts the production of this movie. You think so he stopped? Very much, though. So. That actually Every... might make him male a little bit more like James Woods, though. Mm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Coked out fucking Tim Allen. Coked out Allen. Just blasting know. out the scent. If uh, G I mean, have you guys ever heard? I mean, not to keep talking about Me Too's here, but Jim Jeffries has a story <laughs> where he alludes to Tim Allen being very forceful with some some twenty year old women. Really? Yes. Now he, in, in it, he Jim Jeffries like some sort of scumbag as well. Oh yeah, Jim Jeffries is terror, and he outs himself. He was like, "Oh yeah, I gave a seventeen year old some pills so she'd go home with me." Bro, 
And he's like, well, yeah, hold on. He's like it's, fucking crystalline it right now. He's he, like, I'm a bad guy. I'm trying he, to get ahead of the curve. He he was doing that back in 2013 when everybody was like taking a cue from Jim Norton and just like putting their secrets out on podcasts because they thought that was funny. <laughs> you know? <Yeah. laughs> and uh, he, he started talking about this and he's like, well, wait a minute. It's legal in the UK. You, you can do that in the UK. Pedophile country the UK is. Very Japanese <laughs> is it really? of them. Uh, yeah, 16 is the age of consent in the UK, I think. I mean, you look at the royal family, look at all those things. So, yeah. I mean, kind of have to set a precedence. Well, it's it, it's like an island of inbred people, you know, have <laughs> just been fucking, fucking each, they've been fucking each other for centuries. So you, have you, you guys seen much. the the current like Charlie Hebdo cover, by the way? This thing is no. going to I would just recommend Googling that uh, if you haven't. I bought a copy on eBay because I know this is going to either get pulled or it's going to be worth something soon. And I'm already right. I bought one for eleven dollars. I was like. Maybe I can get a cheaper copy of this. And then I canceled the order and started looking, and they were all like $78. I felt like a fucking idiot. Um, <laughs> they decided to cover the Meghan Markle shit, and they did yeah. it in a particular way. True, Dude, true that art. That so stupid, too. Yeah, that's, I don't even want to talk about it. That's so dumb. Yeah, yeah. There's no reason to talk about that. Jesus Pollution. Christ. Yeah, you just, you just saw it? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I did find the copy, so I'm going to be adding that to my magazine rack uh, shortly. Just That'll be a good one. To make my guests feel at home, you know. <laughs> wow. I wish I was in the writer's room for that one. It's very <laughs> it's very 90s, that cover. That made me feel yeah. like, whoa. Okay, that that's very like Mad TV. Very, I was uh, about to say, to say o- OG Mad Magazine. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the feel of it. Hans, have you seen this? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very funny. Uh, so Videodrome's a terrific movie. It's one of the best yeah. in the 1980s, maybe one of the most important films made of the 20th century. Uh, it does predict a great deal uh, and has the foresight that many other films uh, simply did not for that time because there was no way of predicting the internet. But again, you swap out TV with computer and everything is essentially spot on. Uh, even down that's to the, the, that's great about it, the smallest that details. It's the yeah. concept, you know? And yeah. like that concept to be able to just transcend and keep like transforming into all these things it's like that's a real thick concept right that's a fucking thick concept right there hans uh what would you say was your your favorite part of the movie and what did you not like about the movie so it's not simply praise um no fuck uh i didn't like how horny it was (laughs) i guess i don't know i don't know if there's i mean i I kind of felt like the maybe the the way that it ends it's a little bit quick, you know the, no, the way that everything. No, 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 no. I said I said it was messy. You can't use okay. something I said. Just like you're posting these video rushed. essays. Yeah, I said it was rushed, but it worked. You're just reciting okay. that something your right. own thought, Hans. No ass cancer either. <laughs> Something I didn't like. Uh, Debbie Harris's little titties. How about that? How about getting someone that has meat on? You want Dolly Parton in that role? Yeah, oh my God. I, I want a. Um, what was the bitch from? Uh, from. Uh, Hell yeah! Uh, this is a full woman bashing flavor, show now. <laughs> yeah. The, fla- the giant flavor flavor woman. What's her name? Oh, Brigitte oh, Nielsen. Yes, that's who should have started this. Yeah. For that time, that was like a height of her powers. She's seven feet. You know? Yeah. You don't you want Grace Jones? Of who you would cast, too. Yeah, there you go. That fits with the Sly Stallone one, right? So, Yeah, there it is. 
perfect uh any other thoughts on on videodrome because i'm i'm bottomed out as far as as far as uh conversation goes on videodrome the movie itself nothing cave Um, moth what about you This, this this was your pick so yeah i love this movie i i went through a huge fucking cronenberg phase i used to live in uh london or right outside london and I would always walk to the blockbuster and I just there was a they had a huge horror section and I went through like a lot of the old Cronenbergs. And I remember having a kind of like spiritual crisis over it because I I saw a lot of what it was talking about and I saw it coming ahead of time. And and then I watched it a couple years later and I had this great realization that it was really about like the freeing of technology and how like once like the home the what is that line from the movie it's like the the television screen is the retina of the mind's eye and the movie talks about how like like brian oblivion talks specifically about how the brain is gaining this new organ and it's perception is not you can't have perception outside your own reality or reality is nothing but what your own perception is and the idea of a sh- Matt and I were just talking about this last night, and the idea of like a shared collective reality, it used to really speak to me, and it became really scary when I realized like how social media and like mass media in general is gaining its own like autonomy, mm-hmm. and it the whole movie is just about that kind of like shared reality being born and exploding and it starts off with it like a company creating it and after a while it there's a the what's it her the brown oblivion's daughter she tries to end up like deprogram him from videodrome and it ends up turning against him and he ends up killing himself and it releases itself into the ether mm-hmm. and it's getting spread throughout like the news media. Uh, he kills people and there's, it's being spread throughout. Like it's, it's not even in media anymore. It's happening just through, vi- through visual cues. And because it's an organ in the brain now that it takes away all human agency because the experiences we have before technology are our own personal experiences. And once like mass media and we have like this shared reality that Videodrome is, it becomes way less private. And the idea of like human beings just giving over their private mental life was something that I found to be really like prophetic for the whole movie. Yeah, I mean, we're living through that exact moment right now. Um, yeah, we're in the process of it. Yeah, you can't even say you can't even say Alexa out loud without someone hey, answering you, right? You got to be careful. I got three of them. Right <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> three. Fuck, I've got really? three. My data. My my life is fully exposed to the people that run Amazon. I'm fucked if I do anything wrong, which I don't. I'm a good citizen. I'm a good man. Uh, yeah, I think that's extremely well said. That was a very uh, well put version of what we were trying to communicate. I think for the first thirty minutes, we should have just had you chime in. Back then. <laughs> I'm having so have... much trouble because I'm hearing my fucking 
voice throughout all this, so I feel like I'm tripping, and I have oh, that's video. As I'm talking, just, I'm having hearing myself, yeah, and then I'm listening drum. to it. It's fucked up, man. You're living it. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. We kept we kept uh, afterwards. We made a a video, and it was just um, it was 120 frames per second, and it was it was a black screen, and then it did all the rainbow spectrum, and then it went to white. So it was like everything and nothing, and we just looped that shit like crazy, and then. <laughs> the whole idea was like, how can we like use uh, our art to like deprogram audiences? And I feel like that's been a lot of our kind of agenda throughout the whole thing is just to really like not to really hold a mirror up to people, but to really like, at least for me, when I fuck with uh, video and stuff, I'm always fucking with really weird schizo shit. And half the idea for me is like, if I can make the experience weird enough, it takes the audience out of their like their preconceived perceptual notions of things. And if you can do that, you can actually get a, a message across easier. Mm. And it's Yeah, I but we were just we had a bunch of colors at 120 frames rates <laughs> per second blasting at five seconds like and it was like meshing to like a black weird like, black spots it was like an epileptic seizure right? like how many colors did you pick it was only like it was the dark side colors and then black and white and then we had this a sound going so like six colors <laughs> smashed into like 0.5 <laughs> seconds and then looped and we would just look at it <laughs> and you could and, do this with your hand and your hand looked RB or RGB. It looked like it was fucking yeah, like you part mm -hmm. of the video. It was you, insane. You waved your hand in front of the video, and it made your hand look like it was, uh, like, like you're wearing out. 3D goggles or something. You know, like oh, you're nice. seeing the red and green on your fingers. So we spent like a good 30, 45 minutes yeah, from like 12 o'clock to one o'clock, just looking at flashing colors on a screen, <laughs> meshed it, like, and then making jokes like, uh, "Oh, that's video drone." <laughs> <laughs> was this a so sober endeavor that you guys did? Or was this a... Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I would say personally, I'm fucking insane. So, so like drunk me is probably a little bit more tame. Sober me is like, damn, that guy's gotta like chill out a little. Yeah. Maybe <laughs> go for a run. <laughs> well, uh, it has been uh, quite the talk about Videodrome this evening and David Cronenberg, if you had to pair, because this, this movie I think is so in its own category as far as that, and also what it accomplishes and communicates to the viewer. If you had to pair this movie with another movie in terms of a, a, we'll say useful learning experience, right? Being communicated through film. What would you put alongside Videodrome? Mulholland Drive, something by David Lynch. I don't know, just something about his experience through movies where it's, you really have to push through his aesthetic to be able to get the movie. And the aesthetic is half of what's so off-putting for his movies. And I feel like at least all the surrealist sequence, sequences in Videodrome is just, it does exactly that. Yeah, I think Mulholland Drive is actually uh, a fairly good pick in that they both seem to channel different layers of reality that the protagonist glides in and out of um, and the perceptions not matching uh, the core base reality. 
That's pretty good. I just started oh, yeah. watching Inland Empire last night. I've seen that a bunch of times. I, I have. I, I love that movie so much. I haven't watched it before. It's the only film of his I haven't seen. Uh, I'm not done with it yet because apparently it's like three hours long. It's yeah. It's it's a it's an endurance run. It's a, it's yeah. a challenge. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but very very interesting so far. It definitely has that shared <laughs> uh, texture to it that Mulholland Drive has, and the fact that it's shot on like dv camcorders from 2003 yeah. or something is it was initially off-putting and now i'm like i'm i'm fine with it i'm into it like it took me a minute to get adjusted or acclimated mm-hmm. to that so uh yeah something i i intend to be finishing probably tonight. funnily enough you said that uh videodrome was kind of improvised the whole drive is completely imp- or i'm sorry inland yeah. empire is completely Im- improvised he would like go off into a corner and write like these lines down on a piece of paper and be like, this is your line and just go with it. That's a and lot of what we do with set again. systems. I'll just tell whatever old man we're acting with. Hey, just, just, Hey, you got to say this, just say, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to treat you like a hog. Just say that three times. <laughs> all right. And uh, he'll be like, Oh, all right. And then that's, that's how we get some. Beaner. Yes. Is he awkward out when he does that or what? Uh, what do you, what's that? When it is, are they awkward at out when you say like like the hog comment? Are they just it's, first like taken back? It's a it's fifty fifty. It depends. It depends on what precedes that. If it's just like a, here's your <laughs> script. Here's your all right. We're gonna do this. All right, and then I throw that in there. Sometimes, yeah. Other times, they'll be a very good sport about it. Very trusting. Um, Listen, the, if 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 it's someone that's answering our casting calls i don't think you're expecting a lot of you know we get some weird people we get yeah (laughs) you're not gonna get a a lot of people with like values and what do you mean values (laughs) (laughs) now that i'm gonna say no to anything it's just like i'm getting work so i guess can we not like insult the people that are showing up for free to act in (laughs) project damn hans yeah yeah um but but yeah, on the note of David Lynch, that that's not too surprising with uh, the feel of Inland Empire. I know Mulholland Drive was initially supposed to be like an ABC drama, and then that got Start reworked. Was like a, a Twin Peaks spinoff, mm-hmm. like the Audrey Horn story. In fact, I have this weird like. There's a Lynch verse, and he. <laughs> He uses a lot of same theme, sim- similar themes throughout most of his movies, especially in Inland Empire. There is like logmen. There's similar characters. They even look. I think they're probably even acted from the same. Yeah, they're acted the same. I, I noticed when I was watching because I also watched Wild at Heart right before I started in, oh, Inland Empire, too. and it seemed like there were casual things that were borrowed from that that were implemented into Twin Peaks, especially later Twin Peaks. The uh, Fire Walk With Me movie, I think, has like some sort of angel aspect to it at the very end with Laura Palmer. And she's in Wild at Heart as like the good witch. Uh, and it's a very similar looking um, sequence at the end of that movie as to the end of uh, Fire Walk With Me. Yeah, if you if you watch enough David Lynch and you get. Um, oh, OK. If you watch enough David Lynch, you can see like enough themes that it actually does build a strange like universe because they all are most of his movies are about how reality isn't what we perceive it to be. And if you like the whole thing with twin peaks is that like, there's this 
in a similar way to Videodrome, there's a shared reality that you can get through to through dreams and like magic and drugs and stuff like that. And like because of there's that that similar theme throughout all of his movies, it does provide a kind of like string between all of them where he's more or less talking about how like concepts and like immaterial things like trauma are they they invade our everyday lives and they create like really weird situations who that's fucking with me <laughs> um what whether you hear yourself yeah, yeah matt's i'm trying to like help him with messing the, with the, so he uh, can't hear himself like i do this but he and then we can't hear you guys so i'm trying to like parse out when the end of your statement may be and when you keep going you're gonna get delay <laughs> but yeah um there's just a similar string throughout all of his movies about how there's like experiences fuck with you and because he used similar like objects and like uh like lamps are a really big thing with throughout all his movie right and you can start to tell that he is talking about something that's otherworldly, and they're, all of his movies are more or less talking. Yeah, it's, it's very Lynchian with this echo following you after yeah. every statement. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I definitely pick up on, on a lot of those themes, uh, especially since around the time of Twin Peaks The Return, I decided to binge watch many of his films that I had seen previously. And yeah, you do start to notice like an overlapping texture to them and returning ideas. I think that might be the case with a lot of directors or at least auteurs where um, guys who maybe don't do his commercial work. Because even with like Dune, you can see a lot of David Lynch ideas in that, even though it was co-opted and they mangled it and they probably re-edited portions of it. It still te- uh, you know, feels like a David Lynch th- uh, film thematically. Mm-hmm. Um, Hans, do you have any thoughts on on the the work of David Lynch? I know you're a big David Lynch guy. I'm I'm not. I don't know. I like Eraserhead. <laughs> I'm, like not, I'm not very familiar. I'm not very familiar with all of his work. Uh, I've seen a bunch of them, but I don't know. It's not. Uh, I've never seen uh, uh, Twin Peaks. I've seen like maybe one episode. It's a not sequel because I'm not... to The Elephant Man. That's all you really need to know. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. So I, I I don't know. I mean, he's fine. The ones that I watched, I liked, but I'm not very familiar with like his filmography to have a an educated opinion other than he's kind of weird and it works <laughs> most of the time. I guess. Yeah. Uh, who yeah. who do you think has a better '80s filmography, David Lynch or David Cronenberg? That's to anybody. Uh, I have a J- John Carpenter. I have a biased because I love David Lynch. I've been binging Eraserhead since the high school. Uh, I, I I might be inclined to agree. I, I like Blue Velvet more than any of the films uh, from that era, from either David Lynch or David Cronenberg. So that's one that I didn't. You didn't uh, like that. You didn't like Blue Velvet. I, I just I, I I don't think I was in the right mood for the tone of it uh, because it's really. It's it's kind of weird the tone of that movie of like it's 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 serious but it's his rapiest movie. Yeah, and a lot of the acting and a lot of the decisions the characters make are very cartoony. So I just think I just wasn't in the in the right mood. No, so it, like, I I know what you mean. Yeah, it, it's not. <laughs> I was like, oh, it's not yeah. especially accessible. It took me 
three tries to get through that because I had watched it on cable twice. And then I went to a revival screening of it where I had to give it my full attention. And that's when it like clicked into place for me. Same thing with the Clockwork Orange, which I know is a classic, but it took like I couldn't pay attention sitting watching it on the couch. So I didn't absorb it in the way you're supposed to absorb it. And then I go to a screening and it's like, oh, this is an amazing piece of art i find that yeah. movie just so entrancing every time if it's in if it's even on tv i'll sit down and watch the whole of it yeah i love the just long zooms that just go in like especially when they're in the milk bar it's just going slowly into alex just slowly sipping the lsd mc nope. yeah yeah oh boy all right well uh i think we're gonna wrap up the show then because i need to eat some dinner here um where can people find you guys online? And do you expect to actually remain on your profiles throughout the year? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I'm at Instagram, Cave Moth, and YouTube. And I do a lot of shit posting on Facebook, which people are more than welcome to follow me. Yeah. I got at GMAC underscore, at GMAC underscore on Instagram. Um, I'm not on YouTube anymore. Facebook as well. Just GMAC. If you're a honey, you can probably find me on Tinder. Just hit global. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, I, and then we're also working on something. Uh, it's Internet 4000, INT4K, and we're going to start making a YouTube for that. We're going to do a lot more long-form schizophrenic content, deprogrammed content. Um, a novel. I hear you guys are working on a novel together. Is, is this correct? A novel? a novel? Yeah, it's a sequel to Moby novel. Dick. Yeah. But it's like soft whore porn. It's called Glassed Penis. Clitorado. Little, little Dick. <laughs> Literature? Yeah. Little Dick. Yeah, it's called Little Dick. <laughs> it's a pocketbook. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Terrific, terrific. Um, and Hans, go ahead. Uh, <clears throat> they know where... Do you even care? A... Do you care at this point? I don't, I really, I really, I... They'd I be following you by now. You, oh, oh. Listen, you always. I want to know where to follow you because I only think I just think we're friends on Facebook. I've gotten maybe one follow from like a hundred episodes of this, so it, there's <laughs> really no point. Uh, I'm really great at selling. I'm <laughs> selling stuff, just like no one cares. Why do you guys even plug anything? It doesn't matter. Yeah. Wait, are you uh, still fucking uh, people on Twitter? He's he's fun. around. No, no, you've been good on your new account. You haven't gotten clipped yet. Well, okay. I. I'm I remember trying, you went through a phase I, and you were just fucking with celebrities. Yeah. <laughs> they ran out of phone numbers. That's what happened. So now I have to be a, a good boy. I'm like, I'm like on. I think it's Lowrez's phone number that I'm using. No, that no, I no, no. It's, it's one of. I think it's. It's like a dead email address that I made for. I, I think it, I set it up for you, so you could go on it like a, a year later or whatever. Because I already knew yeah. you were gonna get kicked off, and it seems to have worked this time, even though. Whenever you get locked out, I get locked out, and vice versa. Now, <laughs> whenever one of us what says, "You to get kicked off Twitter," who who did you threaten? Nancy Pelosi or somebody? <laughs> no, uh, I, David Hogg. I think. Oh no, I David Hogg got, got you. Better. Yeah, he got him sus suspended because you said something. You tell mean him to yeah. fuck him in the mouth or something. No, I just said he was a shithead, and I got. What? Like I just, I it just wasn't even bad. Something stupid he said. No, it wasn't even bad. I just said you're, you're a shithead or something. And let, then, let me be clear, Hans. Man. If you sign on Twitter at like three in the morning, Hans will say some really evil, grotesque things that you would never when imagine I, this sweet man to and say. And then something, something that I noticed yesterday because I was kind of drunk, 
And then I just went on Twitter and I got really angry and I was like, ah. <laughs> and I stopped myself from my yeah, phone away because I don't want to call someone a retard by, mis- by mistake and then get suspended again. So yeah, that, that's the one that hurts me. That's the one that I wish I could use, but there's You no need a diary. To... You're just writing a diary every time you're mad. Say, dear diary, <laughs> I wish Nancy Pelosi would die already. Just, <laughs> yeah. You don't have maybe, to tell her directly. Well, maybe you could just take a photo of it and then tweet the photo. Yeah, and then you, they won't read all of like the actual. I hope you die, you know, in your album. What you could do is just print up a photo of her and burn it, and then post yeah. that post that video. Like, like shit on it. You should just start a Twitter just for that. It's just you, like harassing her through totems. Yeah, daily burns. Har- harassing her through cum tributes. Just yeah. Videos of me masturbating to her on Pornhub. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Pornhub yeah. presence. I you actually probably started do that on Pornhub. Uh, I started a TikTok. There's this guy who is like this faux intellectual, like communist. Like, hey, if you're gonna say something that's not funny, like, then don't say it because you don't know the implications you're gonna have when you say something. And now I've just translated my whole TikTok to ca- account to just like just shaming him <laughs> just like all of his videos like i i call him gay like he's black so like he's like he has this one video where he's he's dancing and then he's like for valentine's day i'm doing this and it was like marx his like communist manifesto and then i put a picture of the two black dudes kissing and i just <laughs> and i said he's so brave <laughs> and he's like bro you're so weird <laughs> oh boy good strat yeah yeah all Are right. you doing any shit talking, Lorez? No, I, I'm very nice to people. I say I save that for you know deep meet Messages. dark meetings for at night. Stuckman. Yeah, <laughs> for PMs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. For the group chat. Yeah. Exactly. I'm trying. I'm, try- I'm because, trying to be a big uh, Hollywood starlet. You know, I can't be saying. You know, I got called out one time by what was his name? Chris Hardwick. I posted a picture of Chris Hardwick from At Midnight because he looked like shit that night, <laughs> and he had giant bags under his eyes like that. <laughs> and he was like, "Oh, so what, what? What's the point of this image? What you're you're saying? I, I I say you're saying I'm looking bad on TV. That that's what you're saying. I look like shit. I was like, I, I, I you know, I didn't know what to say at the time because I'm only 22 years old, 23 years old, whatever it was. You know, froze up. It was a bad look, as they say. It's a learning experience. You know? I got I got bullied back by Chris Hardwick. By the heart. By Chris Hardwick. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Since then." Gotta He'll never yourself. make it in Hollywood now. No, I <laughs> got blacklisted. Isn't he? He's married to some like wealthy, wealthy woman right. who has deep ties in in the industry, right? This is he how looks, he escaped his me too. Every, that's what he looks like. He looks like one of those guys who's just like sleaze his way into different positions. Like he was on MTV, and then he did the At Midnight shit. Mm-hmm. And then that's where all the Me Too's came in. There's Room Raiders. He was just raping the girls. <laughs> <laughs> talking Raiders. Dead. They, have, they, have, they kicked they him off Talking like... Dead because that's when it arrived. That's oh, when yeah, it did. Yeah. He yeah. got accused of doing something or another. Oh, with an ex-girlfriend. It wasn't a proper Me Too. Yeah. It was like he pressured me into having sex when I didn't want to have sex. And then when I got an abortion, he was like, well, <laughs> uh, he made some joke or whatever around her mom. Yeah. Yeah, like, a re- like which I totally believe. That's he, he seems like the type to do that. Um, yeah. 
Yeah. If also he, he really is talking dead. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> There's some great photos of him from like 20 years ago when he's really fat. He's got a big round butterball face and he looks sweaty. No way. Yeah. He looks terrific in those pictures. I would, you know, <laughs> if somebody wanted to just repost those to Twitter and, you know, tag him in those, I wouldn't be opposed to that. I might do that myself. I might sure. do that myself now. 2020 hindsight. You get a campaign going, man. I'll, I'll quit my job and I'll, I'll take all of my creative sweet efforts towards that. I'll, I'll help market a campaign for you. Then, all right, we'll do it. That'll be the b- next big project for 2021. That'll be it. <laughs> Harass Chris Hardwick. A man that everybody has Hashtag forgotten. Hashtag Harass Hardwick. Yeah. All right. All right, that's been movies for this week. Thank you guys for, <laughs> for coming on the program. I thought this was a very good show. And yeah, uh, we'll have to us. set up another one of these. Or we'll do your podcast or for something. Sure. We'll figure yeah, it out. Yeah, for sure. Just a... Just to warn you, you guys should definitely come on to the podcast, but it's um, it's highly schizophrenic. Um, it's really stupid. So I think you guys are going to really enjoy it. Listen, Jerry tried <laughs> to trick me into watching underage hentai. So as long as we don't do anything like that, yeah, no, 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 no. His idea, his idea was to like. It's a practical joke. Yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, well, hold on. Let's let's set this up real quick so you don't like get yourself arrested by accident, Hans. Uh, We're not Sewer City TV was going to do anime reviews, right? And I did one of those, and Jake Hanrahan did one of those, and Hans was going to do one of those, and Jerry was like, he messaged me and he was like, "Hey, I'm going to send Hans Poco no no Biku or whatever the fuck it's called, which is like kids having sex in an anime," and I'm like, "What?" What you're gonna do? What he's like? It's gonna. He's gonna. I had to Google what it was, and I I just. Everyone's saying it's like the most cursed anime. Yeah, Yeah. everything about it sounded terrible and very sinful (laughs) and illegal. So I I was like, "What are you talking about? What is it? They even make this?" This and he's like, "Yeah, it'll it'll be a great practical joke on Hans." (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, Hans Hans dodged that. We won't do any of that. We won't do any of that. Great. All right. It'll just it'll be hentai. It'll be real. <laughs> it won't All be. Right. I won't, yeah, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> that, that's the end of the program. All right. See you, folks.